Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. I have to say I loved the Quentin Tarantino movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was the L.A. that I knew as a teenager growing up. Loved the music, loved the look of it, loved everything about it. And so it kind of made me a little nostalgic for my high school days. And when I say nostalgic, it was more for that period as opposed to high school. Now, I wrote a book called The Me Generation by Me Growing Up in the 60s. It's available on Amazon, where I talk a lot about my high school experience. I thought today I would share some of my high school angst with you. So this is Once Upon a Time in Woodland Hills. This week on Hollywood and Levine. Well, first of all, I did not enjoy high school. A number of years ago, I had an idea for a spec screenplay that was centered in high school. And so for research, I sought out some of the people who were my classmates. And I went to Taft High School in Woodland Hills, California in the late 60s. And there was one cheerleader who actually uh, spoke to me. She was actually very nice as opposed to the other cheerleaders. So I contacted her. Facebook is a wonderful thing. I contacted her and I said, could I just sit down and talk to you about your high school experiences? She said, sure, but... She probably wouldn't remember that much. Well, what the heck? Chance to see her again. So we got together for coffee, and she started telling me her stories. And as she did, she just kind of came alive. And it was a wonderful storybook high school career for this young woman. I mean, she was so popular. She was the head cheerleader. She was in plays. And she was telling me these stories about parties and going to the beach and these kidnapping parties where guys would stop by her house at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning and pick her up and take her out for pancakes. And, and as I'm listening to all these stories, I'm thinking to myself, did we go to the same high school? Because I never did any of that shit. 
I never went to the formals or any of the major popular events. I never sat in any cool section at football games, that type of thing. My high school experience was very different. And it's really kind of sad when you look back for a lot of those really, really popular kids, they pretty much peaked at 17. And you think, wow, how sad is that? That you're going to go another hopefully 50, 60, 70 years and it's all going to be a slow, steady, downhill ride. And of course, all of the guys who were so popular, you flash forward 10 years and they're baggage handlers and all of the nerds have all blossomed and the people who were untouchables are now captains of industry. Well, my high school career can best be summarized as a futile attempt to be popular because that is pretty much the only goal, more so than graduating. That is the goal in high school to be popular. But in my case, it was an uphill climb because I grew a foot in a year And when I entered high school, I was six feet two, 135 pounds. I was all gawky elbows and knees and walking around like a stork. Plus, back in those days, I had glasses and slick back hair and there were dress requirements. So I looked like the central casting nerd. The only thing I did not have was the pocket protector on my shirt. But otherwise, bleh. So how could I be popular? Well, the best way in for me was probably through my sense of humor. And I remember a few years before seeing the Dick Van Dyke show for the first time. And it was a revelation to me because this guy got a beautiful woman to marry him, Laura Petrie, and his job was comedy writer. And I thought to myself, oh my God, you mean I could get a girl like Laura Petrie without having to throw a spiral? So that always in the back of my mind was there that possibly I could use this sense of humor and get girls. And look, you talk to 99.99% of straight comedy writers, and they will tell you that the incentive for them was to get girls. That's it. That's the only reason we try to be funny, to get girls. But I was like never the class clown. I mean, I was not the Mel Brooks type. I can turn it on when I want, if I'm speaking on a panel or a talk back or I'm doing improv, but I never wanted to be that tiresome bore that people would just avoid. And there was a writer, uh, I'll tell this story, uh, a number of years ago, I was friends with Gary Owens, 
who was a longtime disc jockey in Los Angeles. And also, if you remember Laugh-In, he was from beautiful downtown Burbank. He had this incredible voice. Very funny guy. And he had a book signing because he wrote an autobiography. So I attended the book signing at Dutton's Books, which was in the Valley, now defunct, as are most bookstores. And Gary's best friend was Jonathan Winters. And I'm standing with Gary and Jonathan Winters in the bookstore, just kind of chatting. And a writer comes up and this guy just goes into his act. He's just got shtick and he is trying to be so fucking funny. And Jonathan is just standing there quietly watching him. And after about three minutes of this, Jonathan Winters reaches over, taps the writer on the arm, and goes, that's why Dean left Jerry, you know. Well, I had to leave. I was laughing so hard. So I never wanted to be that guy. And the same is true on dates. Okay, if I was lucky enough to get a date, I didn't want to just be this zany, crazy, class clown type of guy. Like I said, it could be funny when I wanted to or if I saw something that lent itself to a funny observation or a one-liner, I would do it. But I wasn't on. Like I said, I was not Mel Brooks. And it's interesting. I'm going to bounce around a little bit here in this particular episode. But I went to my 30th high school reunion and I was talking to a girl And she said, you know, you were so funny in high school and we dated for a while and uh, it was just so great being with you. And I have a really good memory for who went out with me because very few of them did and most of them shot me down. And she, in particular, was one who shot me down. And I'm thinking, why would she tell me this story when... I could just as easily say, wait a minute, what are you talking about? We never went out. You're a bitch to me. So why would they tell this story knowing that there was a 50-50 chance that they could get busted? So I thought to myself, well, maybe she sees my name on TV and she tells her friends, oh, I went to high school with him, which became... We were good friends, which became, we went out together, which became, he was my boyfriend. And probably telling that story over and over again through the years, it's gotten to the point where she actually believes it. So I didn't want to be an asshole and say, no, we never dated. You were awful to me. Instead, I just kind of mumbled, yes, it was really nice. Great to see you again, etc." And then I slinked off. I'm thinking there has to be a better retort than that. And I came up with one, but of course it was too late. Wouldn't you know, about an hour later, the exact same thing happened with another girl. Oh, we had such a great time in high school and it was so much fun going out with you. I was ready. And I said, yes. And I took her hand and I said, you know what? You were only the second girl I ever slept with. Well, suddenly 
<laughs> the look on her face was like, what? Huh? So good to see you again. And I walked off. And like for the rest of the night, she just had this puzzled expression. <laughs> yeah, I was not that funny. I was a lot funnier later. I also didn't think that I was funny enough. A couple of years ago, I was fortunate enough to win an award from the Southern California Sportscasters Association as the best sports talk host. Thank you very much. Hosting Dodger Games. They spelled my name wrong on the trophy. But Tom Dreesen, who is a longtime comedian, was the MC of the night. I got up and I gave my acceptance speech and I had prepared it and it was very funny. And after the event, Tom comes up to me and he goes, wow, you're, you're really funny. And I said, well, thank you. And he goes, no, 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 you're professional funny. He had no idea that I had a career other than talk show host doing Dodger games. But I always thought that was like a great expression, professional funny. I was not professional funny when I was in high school. In fact, going back when I was in junior high, one year I ran for vice president or treasurer or some stupid thing like that. And you had to give a speech. You had to give it three times, once to the ninth grade, eighth grade, and seventh grade in that order. So I got up and I did my speech for the ninth grade and it killed. It just killed. I got up there for the eighth grade. Eh, okay. Figure maybe a bad house. Seventh grade, death. Absolute death. I mean, I was doing jokes geared towards ninth graders about getting your license, going into high school, whatever. I don't even remember what I said, but I, I fucking bombed for the seventh grade. And so, again, the minute you think you are the prince of the city, something like that is going to happen. So I knew I was funny, but I did not think I was hilarious enough to get girls. So what is the best way to popularity in high school? Sports, obviously. I'm totally uncoordinated. It's terrible in sports. But like I said, I was very tall. I was 6'2 in uh, the 10th grade. So the basketball coach came to me, and this was the off-season of basketball, and said, instead of taking a gym class, why don't you take the basketball class with me? And I thought, eh, great. Instead of running laps, we'll just be playing basketball all semester. So I took the class, and basically what it was was a conditioning class. We ran. We just ran and ran and ran for the entire time, and all of the other general PE classes were playing basketball. But then during basketball season, I was placed on the junior varsity team. But I was terrible. It's very clear in practice that I was awful. And so the coach never put me in the ball game until it was garbage time, like the last 30 seconds. And even then, he'd send me out there and he'd say, go foul guys. That's it. Just foul guys so that they can do free throws. Uh, I don't think I ever actually scored a point. Well, this went on for about three, four games. 
And it was clear that I was a, an albatross on the team. So the coach came up to me with an offer, said, look, we need a manager for the varsity team. Would you like to be the manager? I said, what does a manager do? He says, you pick up basketballs, you hand out ace bandages, you clean up the locker room. I said, why would I want to do that? And he said, you're considered part of the team and it counts as your PE credit. I'm thinking, whoa, whoa, wait. You mean then I don't have to take PE? Then I don't have to change into my PE shorts? <laughs> this sounds great. Yes, sign me up. So for three years, I was the manager of the varsity basketball team. And one really big perk for a while, was that I could be the official scorer during games, and I said, for home games, can I also be the PA announcer? And the coach said, sure. So I was the guy going substitution, blah, 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 uh, foul, blah, blah, blah. And one day, I see one of the players from the opposing team, we were playing Chatsworth, he was running down the court, and he was signaling for a timeout. So I said on the PA, so Chatsworth wants a timeout. And the referee goes, what? Oh, okay, timeout. Well, apparently their coach didn't sanction the timeout. It was just this player who wanted a timeout. And the coach was furious at me. And there was a big discussion, bottom line, as a result of me, our team got a technical. That was the end of my PA announcing career. So at the end of the season, end of the first season, we go to the big banquet where they hand out letters to all of the basketball players who qualify. You had to play a certain number of quarters or whatever, score eight points a year. I don't know what it was, but you had to qualify for getting a varsity letter. I didn't realize this, but they called me up. The manager is also entitled to a varsity letter. Sweet. So the athletes would parade around school wearing letterman jackets and letterman sweaters. Now, I was entitled to be one of those guys. Letterman sweaters were very expensive. They're probably a couple of hundred dollars back then. And I pleaded with my mom, please, you know, for my birthday, can I have a letterman sweater? And I go, okay. So we got this letterman sweater and I put it on and I just looked bitching. I go to school, I'm not there, 30 seconds. And one of the football players sees me, takes me aside and goes, hey, asshole, what are you doing wearing a Letterman sweater? And I said, well, I got a letter in basketball. He goes, no, you didn't. You're fucking manager. Managers don't wear Letterman sweaters. The fuck? And the rest of the day, probably 60% of the football team, everybody on the basketball team 
the water polo team, they all just shit on me for wearing my Letterman sweater. And that was the last time that I ever did that. Now, another good way of gaining popularity is to be a musician, especially back in the 60s. Howard Kalin, who was the lead singer of the Turtles, happens to be a friend of mine. And he had a great line. He said, any guy looks 10% hotter just holding a guitar in his hands. But music was not my gift. So I never learned how to play an instrument. And I also can't sing. Along those same lines, I didn't try out for any drama productions because I can't really act. That's another thing about high school. It really shows you all of the things you can't do. Well, looking at some of those high school plays, I should have tried out. I mean, I was not any worse than any of them. I couldn't dance, so I wasn't very popular at dances. But there was this one time when one of the cheerleaders came up to me and said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? I was looking around, me? She wants to talk to me? She probably is going to lose her status as a popular person if she's even seen talking to me. But she was in charge of the Friday night dance, and she had heard that I was big into radio and that I knew some disc jockeys. She said, could you maybe get a disc jockey to host the Friday night dance. I thought, great. Okay, this is my way in. So I called KBLA and there was a disc jockey who I would talk to a lot on the request lines named Humble Harv. Humble Harv was a great disc jockey. Uh, Unfortunately, he just passed away a few months ago. He eventually rose to being a top disc jockey on KHJ Los Angeles, which was one of the top stations. And I called Harv and I asked if he would MC the dance Friday night. He said, yeah. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. So Friday night comes and Humble Harv at the time was working on this little station in Burbank, California, KBLA. And he had come from Philadelphia. So I guess they do things a little differently back in Philadelphia because he shows up for the dance and he's wearing a three-piece suit. And this is now the late 60s, and all of the kids look at him like, what? Huh? He looked like a narc. And interestingly, when he got hired away at KHJ, the program director at KHJ, first and foremost, said, we got to do a makeover, bud. (laughs) He changed his hairstyle. He had to wear sunglasses at all appearances. They changed his clothes so that he looked like a hippie. But back in the day when I could benefit from his appearance, he looked like a narc. Well, so much for that. Now, you're probably saying, well, why didn't you gravitate towards writing? And I'll be honest, I tried and got nowhere. I got very little support, no support at all from the English department in terms of writing. I would write papers and I'd get a B minus. No matter what I did, I would get a B minus. I remember one time I was in another class and there was a girl sitting in the row next to me, Chris, 
and I made some comment about our papers being due in sixth period. And she goes, oh, shit, that's right. We have a paper due. She got out her pad and just started furiously scrawling, turned it in. I got a B minus. Chris got an A. (laughs) This was just not my thing. What I could do was draw. I was a really good cartoonist. You're not going to get laid being a good cartoonist. So I joined the school newspaper as a cartoonist. But I wanted to write. I thought, well, maybe I could do a humor column or a sports column, something. And the teacher who was in charge of the paper said, no, you're the cartoonist. Just stick with cartooning. And I said, if I can't also write, then... I don't want to be on the paper. And he said, well, we'll miss you. (laughs) He didn't even love my cartoons enough to keep me. It's like they didn't have to print my articles, but at least encouraged me to write. So I no longer was on the school paper. The only encouragement I ever got was in a history class of all things. God love Miss Harper. This was like 11th grade history. And instead of tests, what she would do is every Monday, she would give us three or four essay questions to fill out and turn in on Friday. And based on reading the book, hearing her lectures, we would be able to answer the questions. So I would do this week after week. And of course, B minus. One week, I was working at the time, part-time in a record store, Wallach's Music City, and it was Thursday night, and I came home, and it's 11 o'clock, and I thought, oh, shit, I forgot to do the history assignment. So I sat down, it started writing, and I was really kind of punchy. I hadn't read the material. I really didn't know the answers, so... I figure if I'm going to fail, fail spectacularly. So I put in a lot of jokes. And I turned it in, and I got an A. She loved all of the jokes. There were all these little ha-has on the side and that sort of thing. So the next week, I put in a few more jokes, and I also got an A. By the third week, I just stopped reading the book. I didn't care. Every topic was just a a topic for a comic essay, and I would just write these funny essays, which I loved doing, and now I'm getting A pluses. And that was really the first indication that maybe I am professionally funny. Finally, I'll talk about my two sort of brushes with popularity. Where you ate in the cafeteria really told people where you stood in terms of popularity and status. Now, I never ate with the cool kids. They were at the other side of the cafeteria. But I would also not eat the cafeteria food. Back in those days, Taft High was so crowded that they had a staggered schedule of periods. 
In other words, some people went from seven in the morning until one in the afternoon. Others went from nine to three. Others went from 11 to five. Now, I was always in the morning program because my final period was basketball, where I was handing out ace bandages. And my roommate, Gary, was in the later program. He came at 11 and stayed till 4 or 5. So on his way to school, Gary would stop off at a deli and get us corned beef sandwiches. He'd put them in the locker at 11 o'clock. At 12 o'clock, it was lunch, and we ate our sandwiches, which was great, except this was a period of time when there was a lot of narcotics in high school. So every month or so, we would be raided. And the narcs would come onto the campus with the dogs that would sniff out the narcotics. And what's the first locker that they ran to? Mine, of course. So once a month, I'm getting called down to my locker and I have to explain, no, it's the smell of corned beef. That's what they're responding to. Uh, I, I don't have a marijuana farm. I'm not selling any H out of my locker. But that kind of made me one of the cool kids that people thought, hey, maybe this guy is dealing drugs, an unlikely looking guy dealing drugs, but still. And then my other brush with popularity was really a goof. I decided to run for senior president. But this was my platform. I would do nothing. I would abolish all senior activities, senior prom, senior picnic, all that stuff, gone if I were elected. And because my platform was, I'm going to do nothing, I didn't have the posters, I didn't have a speech. Now, I was required to give a speech, And everyone else had these long speeches, and I just got up there and said, vote for me, sat back down. That was it. I figured, oh, what the heck? It was really no energy expended on my part because I really wasn't campaigning. My whole thing was the anti-campaign. So I figured, okay, I'm going to get five votes, my friends, and that's it, whatever. I almost won. I lost my only 12 votes. And that's pretty much my high school experience. Once I graduated from high school, there was a like 30-year period where I never went back on campus. I had no desire to ever go back on campus. People say that I should write this as a movie. And I would except for a couple of things. Every year, there's another high school angst movie. There's another ladybird that comes out. And they're all the same besides... To do a movie set in Los Angeles in the late 60s, Quentin Tarantino has beaten me to it. So again, I lose out to the cool kid. Thus, another episode of Hollywood and Levine comes to a close. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolfert, Bruce, and Jason Miller. If you want to get in touch with me, my email address, hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. 
That's HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. I will write you back. Also, follow me on Twitter at Ken Levine. I'm also on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. As always, if you have not subscribed, please do. And if you could see it in your heart to give me a five-star review, that would be really special. Thanks so much for listening and uh, staggering down memory lane with me. I will talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Hollywood and Levine. 